Maybe you've heard the phrase, if someone's mistreating you, just kill them with kindness. Have you ever heard that phrase? Kill them with kindness. I think we've changed the phrase. I think we just killed kindness. Jesus said we would be known by the world because of our love for each other. We'd be known by the way we love each other. We would be known by how kind we are. received a text message or a phone call that changed in a moment the course of your day. Sometimes this happens and it's bad news and, and there's some sort of tragedy and it's those moments that, that our hearts are tender about and that we remember because there was just such a, a shift in the day. Other times it's good news. It's good news, and it, it lightens the day, and we remember that. But then there are those times that are kind of in between, maybe a little good or maybe a little, little bad, not huge tragedy, but a little bad. Uh, this week, I, I was in a meeting, and I got a text from Angie. A- and she told me that, uh, about something that had happened. In our home, we, we have three dogs. Well, really, we have two dogs and a rat because it's a chihuahua, but we have... They say three dogs, whatever. We have, we have two big dogs. One is an Italian Mastiff, a Cane Corso, and she's about 90 pounds, and she's pretty ferocious. The other one is an English Mastiff puppy. He's about five and a half months old. When that English Mastiff is full grown, he will be just over 200 pounds. So when the English Mastiff has an accident, It changes our home forever. (laughs) And the text, his name is Diesel. The text was, Diesel had an accident. And she said some other stuff that you really don't need to know about. But um, she was letting me know what happened. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, can we just somehow bring in some carpenters, wall up that doorway, forget the room exit, let's just condemn it. There's no way to fully clean, like, if he has an accident, it, it's not like the chihuahua, it's like, oh, look, a Tootsie Roll on the floor, it's, it's not like that, it's like Montezuma's revenge took place, like, you need to call in hazmat, there, there is an issue in that room, and so I'm dreading what I'm going to go home to, so naturally, as any good husband would, I, I make sure that meeting lasts a lot longer than it needed to, <laughs> but when I got home, my bride had cleaned all of that up. And I started thinking about that. Next month, we will celebrate 30 years of marriage. And the primary reason we will celebrate 30 years of marriage is because she is so kind. She has spent 30 years cleaning up my messes, cleaning up messes made in our lives. And I I started thinking about kindness. I, I think in our culture, kindness is absent. Maybe you've heard the phrase, if someone's mistreating you, just kill them with kindness. Have you ever heard that phrase, kill them with kindness? I think we've changed the phrase. I think we just killed kindness. I think we skipped in. Some of you, you shot it. It's dead because of you. Kindness is gone in our culture. 
We live in a way where there's a get-back culture. There's a, if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. If you mistreat me, I'll mistreat you. And, and kindness is just absent. We, we are quick to criticize, quick to be harsh, quick to analyze in a critical way. But, but being kind is something you rarely see. And sometimes I wonder... How would communities of faith look different? How would we as C3 Church look different if the primary thing, one of the primary things we were known for is just kindness? How would your marriage look different if the, the one word your spouse, your wife, or your husband would use to describe you is they're, they're, just, they're just kind. They're just kind. What, what would the atmosphere in the home be like if parents would say of their children, they're kind? And kids would say of moms and dads, they're kind. Because by the way, kindness, true kindness, is not about agreeing, it's about seeing. Kindness is not about agreeing with what anybody does no matter what and never saying anything challenging or awkward or difficult to them. That's not kindness, that's called enabling, and it's what helps a lot of people live train wreck lives. Kindness is not that I agree with everything, kindness is just that I see that you are more valuable to God than whatever disagreement we may have. Kindness is not about agreeing, it's about seeing that you are deeply loved by God. There's there's no one in this room less loved by God or more loved by God than anyone else. And Jesus did such an amazing job of not only teaching about kindness, but showing us how to live in kindness. Luke chapter 7, Luke is one of the Gospels, third book in what we call the New Testament or the New Covenant, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke was actually a doctor. And so while the Holy Spirit of God inspired Luke to write the Gospel of Luke, God used Luke's personality, and he's very analytical. He wants to know all the facts, and he investigated, and he writes everything down. And Luke chapter 7, we find an occasion where Jesus is invited to someone's home. And he shows kindness in a very awkward, embarrassing, potentially, situation. Luke chapter 7, verse 38, we read, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, Now, this Pharisee, a Pharisee was simply a religious ruler. It was the Pharisees that actually hated Jesus and set up the scenario where Jesus would be murdered on the cross, where he'd give his life for you and for me. So so this Pharisee's not inviting Jesus over because they're buddies. This is not, hey, man, I know you're God's son. It's Monday night football. God only watches the Cowboys. They're his team. Come over. We'll watch it together. That's not what this is. He invites him over, but he invites him over because he doesn't like him, not because he does like him. He invites him over because he's pretending, and he wants to sort of, it's more of an inquisition. He wants to try to catch Jesus in something. He wants to try to prove that he's wrong about something. So he invites him. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. There was something about Jesus that could recline, even in tense moments. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, she was a prostitute, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, as feet weeping. So Jesus is having dinner with this religious leader at the invitation of that leader, and as they're sitting at the table and Jesus is reclining, this woman comes, walks right through the door, and sits down by Jesus. And is so moved with emotion, she begins to weep. Now, sir, if you were invited to people's home for dinner, 
and someone that was a well-known prostitute showed up and came in and sat down by you and got real emotional because of you, how, how do you explain that to your wife? Like, there are no words at that point. But, but Jesus is sitting there, and this lady comes in and, and just gets very emotional, begins to weep. She's, she's heartbroken. She began to wet his feet with her tears, then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, so he did not say these words out loud, he said to himself, he's thinking to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Highly religious people, and sometimes you and sometimes me, are unkind because we classify people in kinds. If Jesus were truly a prophet, he would know what kind of woman. She is a prostitute, which what he's saying is she is less than, she is lower than, she is less valuable. She's not somebody we should be hanging around. If he were holy, if he knew God, he would understand the, the smallness of this person, the insignificance of this human being that is bothering him right now. See, I think in our culture, we have a way even in the church of classifying people in different kinds. I've been to the country of India a few times, and there they have the caste system in Hinduism. So you're born into a certain caste, and you can't get out of that. You're classified by kinds. But, but in Christianity, those of us that follow Jesus are supposed to understand that, that in all of humanity, there is only one class, knuckleheads, and we're all in it. Every single one of us. There is no one that, that's any worse than you are. And no one in this room is better than anybody else. You have sin in your life. I've had sin in my life. You have a brokenness. I have a brokenness. It's not just that we make some mistakes. It's not just that we had a bad day. You have screwed up areas of your life, and so have I. All of us understand that. There is a spiritual brokenness about it. Jesus, about us. Jesus calls it sin. But, but this religious leader, rather than focusing on himself, looks at her and diminishes her value which I think often a lot of times is what we do, and it's how the community often sees church. Perhaps it's part of the reason I just read this week, Mr. Barna says that 68% of millennials view people that attend church regularly, church goers, as hypocritical. Maybe it's because we say we've been changed by the love of God and transformed by the love of God. We just don't show his love. Maybe it's because we are experts at telling the world everything we're against and all the problems with everybody else without, while we ignore our own issues. See, I grew up in the kind of church where pastors would talk about how bad people are that drink alcohol. But usually the pastors that talked about that were over 300 pounds, and these obese men who, who are involved in gluttony would tell other people what they shouldn't be doing because we're great at pointing out everybody else's sin while ignoring our own. This religious leader, this Pharisee, who's not perfect because he's a human being, he's looking down on someone else that has come into the room. He said to himself, if Jesus just knew what kind of person, what kind? It is too commonplace of those in high places to think very little of others in the place. See, God is kind to those we think deserve it and those that we think don't. 
God loves those we think deserve it and those we think don't. And far too often we get focused on other people's issues, other people's problems, other people's struggles in life and ignore our own. And when we do that, we, we lose kindness. Jesus said we would be known by the world because of our love for each other. We would be known by the way we love each other. We would be known by how kind we are. Now the next verse I love, verse 40, Jesus answered him. Now remember a few moments ago, remember a few moments ago Simon said to himself, he's, these are thoughts he's having. These were not outside words, these were inside words. He's just thinking to himself and Jesus read his thoughts. Would you ever come to church again if we could read your thoughts? If we were going to put up on the screen what you were thinking this morning, would you, would you come? Would you come? I mean, imagine this. This guy's thinking to himself, and Jesus turns to him and says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Jesus answered what he's thinking. Can you imagine? You walk in this room, and you think to yourself, why? Why does he keep wearing those kind of shirts? Does he not have a friend? Does no one love him enough to tell him you're too old to dress like that? Why, why does he continue to do that? <laughs> why, why do they do this? Why do they do this? Or you look at somebody that you're not married to and you think, you know what I'm thinking. And I know what you're thinking. And so does Jesus. He addresses the thoughts. Why, why do I wear shirts like this? Because my bride likes them and picks them out. And because she likes them, I don't care what you think. I don't care how goofy it makes me look. I don't care how ridiculous it is. I don't care what my friends in Texas call me when I go home to visit. I don't care. Because as long as my bride's happy with it, I, I just don't give a rip. It doesn't matter to me. But if we could read each other's thoughts, can you imagine? Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? The one who owed 500 or the one who owed 50? They're both forgiven because neither could pay him back. But which one will feel it more? Which one will it grab more? Which one will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Maybe part of the reason that we don't show kindness is that as followers of Christ, we have simply forgotten and grown into a kind of spiritual amnesia where we have forgotten how much we've been forgiven. See, I, I, don't, I don't deserve the bride that I have. I know that. I don't deserve the kids that I have. I, I don't deserve the friends I have. I, I don't deserve to get to be a part of this community of faith with you. I, I don't deserve any of that. I deserve to spend eternity in a place called hell. I deserve that and nothing less than that. But it is the mercy and the grace of God that changed my life, and I don't ever want to get over that. Part of the reason we're unkind to people sometimes is we, we forget how much we've been forgiven. Now, then verse 44, then he, Jesus, turned toward the woman and said to Simon. He's looking at her, but talking to him. Maybe because she knows what he thinks too. She's heard what they've all had to say. 
She has functioned as a prostitute. She understands the life that she's been living. But Jesus, in this moment, when he's going to address Simon, and he's going to say something for everybody to hear, he makes sure he's looking at her. So while he's looking at her, he's speaking to them. Maybe because he knew she needed to see his face. She needed to see the countenance of his face. And she needed to hear somebody talk about her value while looking at her. So then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house... You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Jesus just dissects in that moment. Hey, hey, you're spending all your time thinking about what kind of person somebody else is. I'm noticing where you're screwed up and how you're fouled up. You're focused on them. I'm looking at what you're not doing and what they are doing. It tells me that God recognizes and notices when we're kind to people. And he notices when we're not. Therefore, I tell you, listen to this phrase, her many sins have been forgiven. Back a few verses, Simon says, if he knew what kind of person. Jesus forgave her, not because he was unaware. Jesus cared for her in what could have been an embarrassing moment, an awkward moment at dinner. And she comes in and she's an emotional basket case. She's having a fit in in what she's been walking through. She's so moved by who he is. And it, it could have been embarrassing and awkward. And in that moment, Jesus shows kindness to her, not because he was unaware of who she was, but because of he knew exactly who she was. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But who has been forgiven little, loves little. And maybe that's our problem. We think we've been forgiven little. Yeah, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm I'm not like them. I know I've messed up, but I'm I'm not like them. But I've done this, this, and this, but I've never done that. When you feel like God's only had to forgive you for a little bit, You walk around with a spiritual arrogance, feeling like you're entitled to judge other people who are less than you. When you fail to realize that even one sin in your life, one sin in my life, separates us from a holy God forever, one is all it takes. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So we're followers of Christ. We're Christ followers. Why then is the church known as being so mean and so harsh and so judgmental? Why does culture say, man, maybe God loves me, but the church doesn't? Maybe God has shown me some kindness in my life at times, but I don't think the church would. Do we give so much of our time to anxiety and fear and insecurity and ambition that there's nothing left to give to kindness? 
we so are involved in our own lives, and part of our sin, honestly, is a kind of a unique selfishness where we focus on us and the things that we're anxious about or the things we're afraid of or the areas that we're insecure, and that flows over into how we treat people or the ambition we have to do more, achieve more, gain more, and we spend very little time thinking about how could I be kind today. You know what's striking to me? This is the only time in all the Bible we read about this particular Simon. A lack of kindness killed Simon's one moment with Jesus. So how do we get there? Well, I I think first it's important to understand the benefits of kindness. There are some benefits, and not just benefits that I thought, oh, let me give you some benefits. According to medical research, medical journals show there's a benefit to kindness. First of all, it helps us be happier. When you live in kindness and you're kind toward other people, you live a happier life. Do you enjoy spending a lot of time with people that are unhappy? No. <laughs> like Giants fans. They lose, they lose all the games. I mean, I have to get it in there. It's football season every week, maybe. But I'm just kidding. But kindness helps us to be happier. Research proves when you function in a kind way, you, you live a more lighthearted life. You can actually live, and it has nothing to do with the scale, emotionally lighter. And part of it happens through being kind. Some of you may say, man, that's what I need. I need to be kind. I want to be happier. You need to do that. So you you need to sign up to serve at C3 and and just be at a door greeting people. Be happy. Now, when you do that, smile. Be friendly. I mean, fake it till you make it. Your feelings will catch up with your actions. Don't stand at a door and frown at people. Don't, Don't do what you do the rest of the week. Be happy. But kindness will help us be happier. Kindness also will help us be healthier. I don't know about you, but when I'm unkind, and I've had those moments in my life more than I care to admit, when I'm unkind, when I get really angry and I lash out, when I'm mean, I get a sick feeling inside. And sometimes it comes out one of two ways. When you're mean to people, that's free. You don't have to give an offering for that. That part was free. When you're mean to people, it affects you physically. Your blood pressure increases, your stress level, some people... (laughs) I, do, I start biting my jaw. I mean, I will tear my jaw up if you can see the inside of my jaw. I mean, there's a physical impact when you're unkind. Now, why would I not recognize there could also be a physical impact when I am kind? When you're kind to people, it helps you to be healthier. The research medically that's shown by people that are unkind and the different illnesses that you're more susceptible to just by being unkind. So the benefits of kindness, it helps us be happier. It helps us be healthier. It slows the effects of aging. Write that down. It slows the effects of aging. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. As you get older, you're going to have wrinkles. You just get to decide which direction they point. It slows it. Listen, when you get older, you're going to have wrinkles. Things are going to sag. You're going to lose hair in places. You're going to grow hair in other. And the new hair you grow up won't be hair. It will be cables from what I've read. But, but it slows the effects of aging. Have you seen those people that when they're, when they're older, they smile There's nothing more contagious than the authentic smile of an older person. Because the older you are, the more hell that you've walked through in life. And when older people smile, if you're still smiling at that age with what you've walked through, and there's something about smiling that automatically makes people look younger. But people that are harsh, people that are negative, people that are critical, people that are angry. Have you ever met somebody? And you thought, oh, I'm going to be so sweet. They're an older person. And you found out they're 22. (laughs) 
How we choose to live and how we process life affects how we look. The benefits of kindness, it helps us be healthier, happier. It, It slows the effects of aging. It improves relationships. Kindness improves relationships. Have you ever woken up in the morning and thought, you know what, today... I want to today on purpose hang around the meanest people I can find. I hope at work everybody's ugly and nasty to me. I hope our family just has fights all day long. I want to be around mean people today. Have you ever thought that? No. You know who you're drawn to? People that are kind. How do you think ugly guys get beautiful girls? Have you ever been walking in the mall and you thought, how in the world? <laughs> You've thought it. How the, this is how. So if you feel like, man, I'm, I'm not much of a looker, be kind. It changes the game. <laughs> it improves relationships. When, when couples are kind to each other, when parents are kind to their kids and kids are kind to their parents. And, and kindness doesn't mean everything's okay. It just means I love you deeply and understand you have value. Kindness doesn't mean we never have awkward conversations. Kindness doesn't mean we don't address issues. No, you do. It just means that you understand the person is more important and valuable than the issue. Because at the end of the day, you understand when we get to heaven one day, those of us that are Christ followers and we stand before God, there are going to be things that I find out that I was wrong about. And so will you. Man, we need to value people more than we value being right. We need to show kindness to people. And kindness, kindness is kind of like a tank, and it, it, de- it depletes throughout the day, the kindness tank. Now, some people wake up on empty with kindness, but, but other people, the kindness tank depletes throughout the day. For most of us, you know when the kindness tank hits empty? About the time we pull in the driveway at the end of a day. I, I've noticed that in my life, sometimes I can be kinder to people I don't know than the people I love the most. I can be kinder to complete strangers than those that live in my home. So I want to ask you a question. Do you speak the worst to those you say you love the most? The way you talk to your spouse or your kids or your parents, would you talk to a complete stranger like that? Kindness has benefits. It helps us be happier, healthier. It slows the effects of aging and improves relationships. It is contagious. Kindness is actually contagious. Did you know that research shows if you smile at somebody, most people, normal people, will smile back? Did you know that? If you smile at someone, people will smile back. If you go to a restaurant, like in Florida, a lot of restaurants have an outside door, and then you go into some kind of entryway, and there's another set of doors. They give you that little space because in Orlando, outside that first set of doors, it's hot as Gehenna. Gehenna is another name for hell, the seventh level of hell, the hottest level of hell. It's, it, that's how hot it is in Orlando. And so there's that first door. You know what I've noticed? If you open the first door for someone walking up that you don't know, they go in and open the second door for you. Kindness is contagious. Now, I understand it can be a little bit awkward because we are in a culture that has forgotten how to be kind. We're in a culture where men take joy in bashing women and women take joy in bashing men. And somehow we feel like to elevate our, our own type of people, we've got to put other people down. So as a father of two daughters and a husband of one wife, I place the highest value on women. I, I think they are precious. 
And I don't want my daughters to ever be in a place where they're working harder than a man and being paid less. And I want them to understand that whatever God asked them to do in life, they can do. They are immensely valuable. But I don't think that the way that we elevate women is by by diminishing men. And I think what's happened in our culture, I I found this. Like, if you open a door for people walking up and they don't know you, every now and then there will be a lady in the group that's mad you open the door for her. Because she can open her own door. And she can. Listen, if you think like that, I'm not opening the door because you're unable. In fact, I will freely admit you can probably open it better because women are smarter than men intellectually and emotionally. I give you that. I surrender. You win. I'm just opening the door because I still believe on the inside because men and women are created in the image of God. I still believe there are a lot of women that value and appreciate being honored and valued and respected. So I'm going to open the door. And if that ticks you off, you need to be kind. (laughs) Maybe you're part of the problem. Maybe. Kindness begins on the inside. You know what's interesting? Colossians chapter 3, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and he says, clothe yourself with kindness. How many of you in this room this morning are wearing clothes? How many? Raise your hand. Like, if you don't raise your hand, I can't help you if you don't think you're wearing... Now, the lights are bright. I can't see you. Maybe everybody around you is looking at you, not me. I don't know. But if, you, if you're here this morning and you're an adult, unless you have some physical challenges that you deal with in life, and some people have that and, and need help, but, but if you are physically able, able and you're an adult, you clothe yourself. The only people we put clothes on that are physically able are toddlers. So clothing ourselves is a sign of maturity. And God is saying, clothe yourself. Kindness is not something God is just going to put on you one day. You and I are responsible as followers of Jesus to abandon selfishness and put on kindness for ourselves every single day, in every single circumstance. So sometimes you meet people that say, well, I can't, it's just how I am. Just how I am. I just tell it like it is. It's how I am. That's why nobody likes you. Your family emailed me this week, asked me to say that. <laughs> not really, not really. But listen, don't ever use an area that you are stagnant emotionally and not growing into the person God created you to be. Don't ever use the excuse, I'm just like that. If you're a follower of Christ and you've met God in a personal way and he lives inside your life and he has transformed you, God is bigger than any bad habit you have or I have. The God inside you is bigger than the struggle inside you. God has the ability to change you. You have the responsibility to put on kindness every single day. But what I've noticed is people who are unkind to others, it's because they're unkind to themselves first. The harshest words I've ever spoken are the ones I say to myself. The meanest I've ever been. Now, I've had some moments where I've been mean to people. I'm not proud of it. I'm ashamed of it. I've screwed up in this area. I have a flash of a temper, and if if you cross me, rather than being kind, I'd rather punch you in the throat. I mean, I just, but but I don't want to start a prison ministry, so I don't do that. Um... But, but listen, I, I, I wrestle with it. Kindness doesn't come naturally to me, but it doesn't come naturally to you either. And, and so 
the, the way I talk to me, sometimes, sometimes I'll be in the house and I can't find my phone. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. I can't find my phone and I'll be like, hey, hey, babe, have you seen my phone? And I ask the kids, have you seen my phone? And the longer it takes, I will go minutes looking for my phone. And I've actually had that happen. I'm going minutes looking for my phone, looking around the house, and it's in my hand. <laughs> have you ever had that happen? Please say yes. <laughs> and the stuff that I say to me when I realize how stupid I've been. See, some of you, day after day after day, no wonder you're unhappy. No wonder life's a struggle. The stuff that you say to you every single day, the way that you're convincing yourself how less than you are. I wonder what would change if you begin to say to yourself every day, I, I am deeply loved by God, and you begin to thank him. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you that you have a plan for my life. Thank you that you love me as much as you love anyone who's ever lived. I, I wonder how your day would begin to change and your life would begin to change. Some of you, the stuff you say to yourself, you need to stop it. Because if you're not careful, you're going to convince yourself that you're not worth it. And the moment you do that, the way it comes out and the way you treat other people, you're going to convince people you love that you're not worth it. See, in the job that I do, I have a front row seat to what happens in people's lives. And I watch people leave people they love all the time because they just can't take it anymore. So this week, what can you do? Two things. What can you do to be kind to yourself? And what can you do to be kind to a family member? What can you do to be kind to yourself? Maybe it's just changing the way you talk to yourself. And what can you do to be kind to a family member? Sir, how can you show her kindness? What would that look like this week? Ma'am, how can you show him kindness? And if you're here this morning and you're married, it is an absolute waste of time to think about how your spouse should be kinder to you. You can't control that. But remember, kindness is contagious. So you give yourself the best shot for your spouse being kind to you if you're kind to them. So what can you do to show kindness to yourself and kindness to a family member? And as you do that and build that into your life, it will begin to build into your life in a way that you begin to show others kindness. I hope, I hope one day, I hope one day when this life is over, one of the main things people say about me is he was kind. I hope that. I've got a long way to go, but I hope that. Because in every single scenario, Jesus was kind. Even when he had hard things to say, he said them in compassionate ways. I think it's kindness that can change our lives. In the next 24 hours, if you begin to do this, you will begin a seismic change in your life that will eventually change everything. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for the way you love us. And God, I pray for every person in this room that we would kind of do a self-evaluation. And we would look for the areas that we can bring more kindness into our lives. And then have you bring more kindness into us and through us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you know that your greatest need is to know God in a personal way. You know that to live in a way that honors God and, and brings this kind of kindness into your life, it's not natural. It doesn't just automatically happen. And what you need is to invite the Spirit of God to come into your life and forgive you of your sin. 
because you're having a hard time forgiving you. You know you need God's forgiveness. You know you need the Spirit of God in your life. You, you can't do it. Neither can I. Apart from God, we cannot live the life we crave and the life he created us to live. So if you'd like to commit your life to Christ this morning, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of the moment. You just say, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin. As best I know how, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name, amen. 